Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by Engage for Good, formerly the Cause Marketing Forum, and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com and selfishgiving.com. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, Joe Waters here. I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And on the line with me now is Miss Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello. Megan, fantastic show today. I know. Yeah. Well, I'll let you introduce it before I interject, but go yeah. ahead. I mean, <laughs> Sarah, I can't tell you how much I've stolen from Sarah through the years. On the line with us right now is Sarah Durham. She is CEO of Big Duck a communications firm that is a leader in something I love, Megan, brand raising. And brand raising is a proven approach to fundraising that puts the focus on marketing and communications. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Hey, Joe. Hey, Megan. Thanks for having me here today. I guess I should put it in a different way when I said like, oh, I've stolen so much from Sarah through the years. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that sounds, a lo- that sounds yeah, bad. That sounds like credit cards, like parking spaces, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, nothing like that. But whenever I talk about this, whenever I'm out talking to clients about uh, branding, in which you know, Sarah, is so important for every type of fundraising, but I think particularly for what I focus in, cause marketing, um, I always mention you. I mention your book. I've mentioned your firm. So I can only imagine how many millions of dollars you've made off all the recommendations I've made for you out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Incredible, right? Every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hey, Sarah. I, speaking of brand, though, I do have to ask: where talk about your brand? Where did Big Duck come from? I know that's yeah. such a great name. Thank you. I mean, I think one of the things about a brand is that in, in many ways, it's kind of a, a vessel that has to steer you towards um, s- something. You know, in mm-hmm. our case, it's a personality that we wanted to communicate um, that sort of the playfulness of that of that name. But mm-hmm. really what we do is smart communications for nonprofits. And the name Big Duck gives us a way to do that. There's a longer backstory, but, you know. Maybe we'll save that for the end. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. And and folks, we'll put this in the show notes, but you have to visit the site too. The site's fantastic. You have tons of resources on your site, which I love, Sarah. You got videos, you have ebooks, you have all sorts of things. And I think you folks really practice what you preach. That's what I love. And I love what I'm on when I'm on your site too, Sarah, because it's so clear and easy to use. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I would encourage people also to poke around the blog when you're stuck yes. trying to figure out a communications problem. If you go to our blog and you search, we've probably written about it. So hopefully we've got something useful. Yeah. So let's start, Sarah, by let me ask you, why do you think branding is so important to nonprofits? Why is it, why is it that that thing that nonprofits should be focusing on, but we don't always see them focusing on, but they should? Yeah. I mean, when I started Big Duck in the 90s, um, branding was like a dirty word for nonprofits, you know, and, and, and that's less the case now. But I think there's still a lot of confusion about what we're talking about when we talk about branding. You know, we're not just talking about your logo. We're not talking about making things pretty. We're not talking about putting lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is the expression of your organization's vision and mission in clear, compelling ways. And how we get people outside your organization and inside the organization aligned around like really the essence of, of what you do. 
you know. So there's a really close connection between vision and mission, the stuff of strategic planning mm -hmm. and branding. In many ways, those things are kind of two sides of the of the same coin. Do you have your own definition for branding, Sarah? You know, when I'm when I'm under pressure to boil it down mm. to the simplest possible terms, I yep. say branding is really about reputation and perception. Mm -hmm. um, that's a little abstract. I mean, you know, what we know from our work with nonprofits, because we've we've been rebranding nonprofits for, you know, 20 years now. Um, and also from research we've done in the sector is that the best time to change your communications is right after strategic planning. Mm -hmm. And I would say what a lot of people think of as strategic planning is actually in many ways the beginning of a rebrand. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's rethinking who you are and, and what you're doing organizationally and then following through with that in a, a brand strategy and visuals and messaging and in the way all of that comes to life through your website, other digital media, in print, in person, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. You have, you've got a lot of great resources on your site, as Joe mentioned. And one of them that I was looking at earlier was an ebook about rebranding. Yeah. And in it, you talk yeah. about some things that have to be in place before you're going to go, go forward with a rebrand. Can you talk about some of those yeah. things? Yeah. So the ebook that uh, Megan's talking about is called The Rebrand Effect. You can download it for free at, yep. if you go to bigduckNYC.com. We'll put that in the show notes effect. too, Sarah, so people know right. where that is. Yeah. And what we did with that, it was that was really fun because, you know, over the years, I've been asked a lot of times like, well, if we just changed one thing in our communications, what's the most important thing to change? What will help us fundraise more effectively or, you know, recruit better board members? What's the one thing? And we decided to do a, a study where we um, suppressed our own clients. So this wasn't just us talking to our clients. And we um, recruited over 300 nonprofit professionals who all had been in nonprofits that had rebranded. And we asked them what they changed, why they changed it, what they hoped it would do, what it actually did. And probably most importantly, what else was going on in their organization at the same time? Like, did they, you know, were they making other changes? And what we... We called it the rebrand effect because what we were particularly interested in was, you know, when a nonprofit rebrands, it's usually because they think they're going to raise more money or differentiate themselves. Does it actually work? And we found, yeah, it does work. Over 50% of the organizations that said they had rebranded um, and changed things that we considered a part of a rebrand actually saw an increase in fundraising. They also saw a whole bunch of other cascading effects and correlated variables. So. For instance, um, the relationship to your rebrand and having a new CEO mm -hmm. or a new strategic plan, these things all are super important and super influential on your ability to, to achieve the results you set out in a rebrand. Mm -hmm. Hey, Joe, when you saw that 50% statistic, were you surprised by that? Because I was. Yeah, I was, you know, just to see something like that. Did you think, Megan, it would be higher or lower? I thought, well, I thought it would be lower because yeah, that's what I thought. Too. I think I think maybe it's it's a definition thing though because when I as I read more, I was like, oh, they're talking about like real strategic, thoughtful rebrands because I'm sure I, I've been a part of organizations that have been like, let's change our logo, let's change yeah, our no, name, right. and I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't really think that gave them more money or donors, it, you, know, you know. So I was interested to see your results. I, obviously, you've been doing this for a long time. But well, um, your yeah, gut I was is surprised. Right. Your gut is right, and your gut is not right. Your your gut is right in that it's more. It does take more than just changing your logo. But you're not right in that you'd be surprised 
by um, how quickly the signal that something has changed actually can ripple out in positive mm. yep. ways. And with our own clients, one of the things we track is um, we look at their 990s every year. And so if we've worked with an organization, uh, let's say in 2016, we're going to track their 990s and their unrestricted revenue, their contributions in their 990s over mm-hmm. a bunch of years. And what we're looking for is like, is there an uptick in unrestricted dollars? That's mm-hmm. what most organizations want. Right. And there usually is. It, it sometimes isn't in year one because year one is like the changeover year, right. you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And but then over time, we see sometimes really dramatic increases in revenue. And uh, we're actually one of the things we've been doing this year that's really been fun and exciting is we just created a new way for a nonprofit to effectively measure the if the public is aware of them, familiar with them, like what the public's perceptions of their brand is and benchmark mm. that so that before, you know, what we're trying to encourage organizations to do is really quantify that before you change anything and then go back and keep quantifying it because it's all well and good to say this is going to help us. But unless you've actually captured data and you right. track that data, you don't really know if it works. Sarah, could you give us an example of a client of yours that you've worked with that you've seen just this happen? Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the things that I really um, felt excited about, both in terms of the, the outcome, but also the speed of the work is, uh, and there's a case study about this on our website. Um, we We were hired a few years ago by an organization that deals with a rare disease um, called SMA. Mm-hmm. And they were right on the brink of, of effectively getting like, you know, research conducted that might cure this disease. And this wow. is a terminal yeah. disease affecting kids. And what they uncovered was that in order to raise the kind of money they need to push this over the finish line, they need to fundraise beyond the SMA community that we, you know, people like you and me who may right. not be affected by SMA need to support it. So, um, so the goal was to, to redefine the brand in a way that would help people who weren't directly a part of this community feel inspired to support it and support this scientific breakthrough. So we took them through this process. We rebranded them, built a new website, made a bunch of changes. And, um, and the year that they were in the middle of the rebranding, their year end appeal raised something like $350,000, which Mm -hmm. is a good return. The following year with the new brand, basically the appeal was quite similar to the one they had done the year previously, but the new brand was in play Mm -hmm. and that, that year end appeal doubled. And then over the next few years, they've seen huge, huge increases in, in unrestricted income. So basically what's, what's happening is exactly what we wanted. People who aren't affected by SMA are paying attention. They're becoming donors, they're getting involved. And this organization's like really, they're really raising the money they need to cure this disease. So to me, those are the most exciting and most tangible kinds of success stories. Wow. They must love that. I mean, you know, those are great examples too, because I don't think enough nonprofits realize the lift they can get from focusing on their brand. And, but as I often tell my own clients, it's the most important thing that you can focus on. It's the thing that raises all boats too. Communications is a strategy. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not decorative, you know, it's just another way to, um, bring that mission to life and where communications I think fails is in a nonprofit that sees it as kind of this decorative thing where, you know, we, we do our programmatic work and then we just shout about it from the rooftops. I mean, that's, that's nice, but that's not strategic. Mm -hmm. And, and so if branding can help you articulate 
who you are, what you're doing and why people should connect with you. It's just, it's, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about who needs to be on board to make this happen yes. effectively within the organization? Yeah, that's such a great question. It's, it's, it is probably, Megan, your question goes to the heart of the single biggest difference between a nonprofit rebranding and a for-profit rebranding. Hmm. Um, because in a for-profit, usually the CEO of the company uh, you know, is, is the decision maker and not that many people are involved. In a nonprofit, if the right people are not involved and bought into the process, a rebrand really doesn't work. And it's the, the biggest piece of advice I give to nonprofits when they're getting like pro bono rebranding help from an agency or a freelancer who's never worked with a nonprofit is like, make sure you've got the right people in the process. Um, you know, I think it's very important for diverse stakeholders in your organization to have a, a well-considered voice in the process. And, and by well-considered, I mean, don't involve everybody in everything, but really think through where, where are your clients consulted, you know, or mm-hmm. your board members involved or your staff involved? Who are the people who really need to be with you every step of the journey, either because they have a very important perspective on your organization or because they're just going to be a, a real pain and can sink it if they're not. <laughs> yep. um, but, it, but it, you know, nonprofits have much more complicated types of audiences and stakeholders. And we need to make sure that all of those viewpoints are factored in somewhere on the journey. No, very true. I'll tell you because it's a challenge. I used to work for a hospital. I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that in hospitals, it's a Oof. it's a big thing. Yeah. And you know, most of the time in a in a nonprofit, I mean, our clients tend to be mid size and larger organizations, and we're almost always working with a committee. Yeah. Our client is a committee, right. Um, right? And and while that makes it slower, and you know, isn't always the funnest way to work, right? Um, it's I, th- I really believe it's the right way to work because those people. They understand what's going on. They have a voice. They take the work back to their different communities. And mm-hmm. ultimately, it sticks better because of that. Where does social media fit into your process? What are you advising your clients when it comes to social media with the communications? I mean, I think everyone I've talked to in the nonprofit world that has tried to use social media effectively, there's lots of hills and valleys uh, because mm-hmm. of the changes in these platforms. Obviously, most of them are pay-for-play platforms now. I mean, what type of advice do you give nonprofits when it comes to social media? First of all, the connection between social Social media and branding, I think, is kind of a useful one because mm-hmm. if you go through a thoughtful brand process, brand clarification or rebranding process, you should start with some sort of strategy. Mm-hmm. In, in the brand raising framework, we talk about positioning, which is the big idea we want people to think of when right. they think of you. Yep. And we talk about personality. What's the tone and style? Mm-hmm. If you start by being clear what your organization's positioning is and personality is, and you make a, a kind of... Um, you know, a, a policy or a mandate that you're going to you're going to really leverage the positioning and personality in social media, meaning you're going to you're going to tweet and Facebook and Instagram with the goal of kind of communicating on personality and consistently sort of setting up why you are who you want people to think you are. Right. It gets a lot easier to be clear about which channels you should or shouldn't be using and what kinds of messages you should or shouldn't be sending. Mm. Um so I think a brand strategy can really make 
using social media a lot simpler and clearer and more more directive. Right. Um, with that said, you know what what I think is bigger than social media is the fact that um, a donor, a client, an advocate, you know, a, an activist or a policymaker is going to have multiple points of contact with your organization as they move sort of into your world and through your world. And they all need to feel like you're speaking with one voice. Right. So, um, so again, your brand strategy should connect all those dots, but I think it's really important that social media doesn't get sort of relegated to a, a team or a person yeah. who doesn't get it. Yeah. You know? Or an intern. You know, I always hear that from nonprofits too. They're always talking, and it's like, do you really want to put your communication strategy in the hands of a 21 year old? Exactly. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Only if they're really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Sarah, what would you say, and we talked a little bit about probably an an, one answer to this question, but what would you say stands in the way of a great rebrand? When I get a call from an organization that is thinking about rebranding, um, the, the two things that are most likely to tell from, to cause me to tell them not to rebrand are an upcoming change in leadership significant mm. leadership, like C-suite, mm-hmm. you know, new CEO coming in or executive director is about to retire or things like that, or right about to go through a strategic planning process. Mm-hmm. Um, in our study of the rebrand effect, we found that the organizations that rebranded after a new strategic plan or after a change in leadership saw better results. And we've experienced that too. I mean, we've, we've seen organizations who go through processes and spend a lot of time and money and then a new executive director comes in or a new board chair comes in or a new director of communications or development comes in and they can effectively put all that work on the shelf or, or kill it. And that, that to me is tragic because it's a lot of, a lot mm-hmm. of money and yep. time and energy that has just been set aside. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage organizations to, to not go down that road unless, you know, it seems like you have kind of a stable team and a clear vision for where you're heading. One of the things I've talked to some of my clients about is the rise of the nonprofit content brand. And what that means is, is that someone who leads first with communications to build an audience and then builds kind of the nonprofit structure under it. Do you mm-hmm. think that, do you think like maybe the future of nonprofit branding is really about people getting savvy about building an audience first? Hmm. That's a, it's a real, I like the way you're, thinking about that mm. and the way you ask that question, it's, it's a very interesting question. I think, I think what you're talking about goes right to the heart, Joe, of why Charity Water is, yeah, is right. an often discussed and yeah. cited organization, because I don't know that it's fair to say they built their audience before they built, you know, the mission, right. but certainly communications was front and center in their planning. And mm-hmm. I guess the way I think of it is, that this is a part of the shift in the nonprofit sector towards professionalizing and and running a nonprofit more like any business. Because Mm -hmm. like in a for-profit business, you wouldn't dream of starting a for-profit business without a marketing or communications department, without a budget, without discussions about who's your audience and how do we engage them. But because most nonprofits don't start that way, they, you know, they've got that charismatic founder who just like makes it all happen for the first five years or whatever, you know, they tend, the life cycle tends to be different. Mm -hmm. And 
And one of the things we particularly sort of specialize in is working with organizations who are at that moment of life cycle change or at a moment of significant growth. And, and the big shift for those organizations is, you know, funding communications, really thinking about communications as a strategic resource. So I'd like to say that in the future, as more nonprofit people learn from the for-profit world or, I don't know, get MBAs or or whatever they do, we probably will see more of that. It's definitely happening, but it's not happening. um, I wouldn't say it's happening at a lightning pace. You know, it's interesting too, Sarah, Megan, and I always think of the example of of Cleveland Clinic, and they have this great publication there. It's called Health Essentials. And um, they really focus on the audience in terms of building a dedicated audience around health information that they really use. I actually, on um, this old marketing last week with uh, Robert Rose and Joe Polizzi, they were talking about the National Trust in the UK and how, get this, Megan, they have the largest publication in the United United Kingdom, 14 million subscribers uh, to their publication. Which is which is huge, and you know, and the whole thing about the publication, of course, is it's not necessarily about the national trust. It's about what topics that people are interested in about the national trust, like maintaining old homes and how you do certain things around older homes and stuff like that. And I just think that's a great opportunity there for nonprofits to focus their content on specific audiences, you know, and what's powerful, I think, about that, especially from a cause marketing perspective, Sarah, is Cleveland Clinic has found with their publication that this is now attracting corporate partners who are coming to them and saying, wow, Cleveland Clinic has this publication attracts over a million people a year. Um, you know, how about an exchange of content for a cause marketing opportunity with a company? And it's win-win for both partners. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you obviously have to be working in a space where you've got, you know, content that can be kind of extrapolated right. related to a wider audience. But right. so many more organizations could do that than think yeah. to do that. Yeah. And, you know, like another one I think about, and Megan, I think I was telling you about this one, the Monterey Aquarium has an app, a seafood app called Seafood oh, Watch. Yeah, I've seen that. Have that's you seen great. that? And, yeah, you know, and yeah. what I love about that, Sarah, is it's focusing on building a dedicated audience around something that's related to the aquarium. But not, you know, I mean, and and so I love something like that. And, you know, a lot of times what I tell people is I try to distinguish for nonprofit partners the difference between inbound and content marketing and inbound being Mm -hmm. using digital tools well. But content marketing, meaning like you set up a dedicated platform that's geared to a specific audience. Uh, But the challenge is, is that I think so many nonprofits, they're kind of struggling on the inbound side. It's kind of a sophisticated strategy for your average nonprofit to get their head around. Yeah. And also I think you have to, it's part of why it's sophisticated is that you have to have a a way that you convert those people who are generally interested in health or houses or whatever to actually care about your organization too. You have to, you know, move them from finding you because they care about the topic or the issue to, to connecting to your organization as as an institution they want to support. And there's been some interesting stuff lately about millennials caring Mm. about issues, not so much organizations. And, you know, we've actually found some data in our, in our brand raising benchmark studies that contradicts that a little bit, Mm -hmm. but um, I think that's the challenge, right? How do we get people to say, yeah, I really care about this issue and I'm going to support this organization because they're a pioneer in it. Mm. Excellent. Excellent point. 
Well, Sarah, this has been fantastic. Thank you so, so much for joining us on Cause Talk Radio. If people want to find out more about you or Big Duck, how might they do that online? Um, well, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Megan. I'm delighted to be here. And um, I am best found at our website, bigduckNYC.com. You can um, find all kinds of ways to connect with me and other people on my team there. You can also find me on Twitter. I tweet at Big Duck Sarah. And um, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the best way to find me. Now, Fantastic. Now, Megan, I'm really embarrassed here because I have to tell people where they can reach me. And I don't have a handle like Big Duck Joe. I, I mean, think you should get one. It's the first time that I just feel intimidated by someone else's Twitter <laughs> handle. But people can find me talking to Sarah and Megan at Joe Waters on Twitter. Obviously, check out my blog, SelfishGiving.com, and check out all those pins on Pinterest, over 4,000 cause-related pins organized by campaigns that you can check out at any moment. People find it a real helpful resource, and I know that because Megan's always on it looking for ideas. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? <laughs> I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for Engage for Good, formerly the Cause well, Marketing Club. Congratulations. At Engage for Good, speaking of rebrand. Yep. And you can find show notes for today's episode at engageforgood.com as well as selfishgiving.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a review. Let you yes. know, let us know what you thought about today's episode. And on behalf of Sarah and Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we'll talk to you next time.